Hey everyone, welcome. I am super excited to share with you a very important teacher of mine and one that is quickly becoming known as one of the world's strongest teachers of non-duality and of the direct path. This is Rupert Spira, and this is one of his books, The Transparency of Things, that we'll be going through together. And I have this great over-the-angle, over-the-shoulder angle, and you'll be able to see my most salient points that I've drawn out of it. And it's really epic. It's just contemplating the nature of experience. It's very explain like I'm five and it's very about the direct experience and rather than the intellectualization or the philosophical. So I'm really looking forward to unpacking this together with you. Let's dive in. All right. So again, the transparency of things by Rupert Spira, contemplating the nature of experience right here in the book jacket. It immediately jumps you right in. The self-contraction gradually unwinds, a.k.a. the ego gradually unwinds and consciousness returns to its natural condition. It experiences again its own unlimited nature. This experience is called happiness. And then we have this great quote by Parmenides right in the front. That which is never ceases to be. That which is not never comes into being, Parmenides. All right. So this is the perennial philosophy, the rediscovery of the timeless wisdom. This is the direct path, a rigorously honest investigation into the nature of awareness itself. We're looking clearly and simply at experience itself. Our earliest formulations divide experience into I and other, me and the world. However, at a certain stage, it begins to dawn on us that these formulations do not express our experience, but rather condition it. This has been expressed in many different ways. Atman equals Brahman. I and my father are one. Nirvana equals samsara. Emptiness is form. I am that. Consciousness is all. There are not two things. Sat, chit, ananda. Existence, consciousness, bliss. It's a knowingness that is beyond the mind. What is the nature of our experience in this moment? And the classic wisdom of you're already it, there's nothing to seek, but it remains for you to recognize the diamond necklace that is already around your neck. And we'll be talking about the paper and screen analogies that Rupert frequently uses. And so right here, we dive right into that analogy about the paper. If you draw your attention to the white paper on which these words are written, 
You experience the uncanny sensation of suddenly becoming aware of something that we simultaneously realize is so obvious as to require no mention. So this is becoming aware of being aware of the paper. Our awareness of the paper seems to be a new experience. And we do these, we unpack these analogies in great depth in our videos on the direct path on our channel, which you can go find. The general idea is that this paper is the pure, bare, empty awareness that all experience is colored on. And that's the words are the coloration of experience that's coloring a bare, empty, pure I amness that is eternal, that is infinite, infinite, and its nature is bliss peace. Awareness or consciousness is the open unknowingness on which every experience is written. I love you, Rupert. You just put it so perfectly. He's got so many of these great zingers throughout here. It is only this open unknowingness, the source, the substance, and the destiny of all experience that is indicated here over and over and over again. So in many ways, this is like an involution. We relax into bare, empty, pure awareness. And the breath helps us relax our awareness. It's more like this and less like, like that. In many ways, the involution is like the absolute. It's like the self-realization. And then there's the spectrum of where on the evolution it's expressed as an unhealthy ego versus a healthy self-actualization. And the proper way to attain a healthy self-actualization is via self-realization first. So you must come over here. And this is why Ramana Maharshi said that the best thing that you can do for the world is to become self-realized. So you ebb all the way over here first, and then naturally you act as a divine channel of God into the highest morality of self-realization. Sensing in turn is discovered to be made of knowing, and if we explore knowing, we find that it is made of consciousness. If we explore I, we find it is made of abstract concepts of the mind collapse here. Again, involution within itself. And then evolution gives birth to a mind, a body, and a world. This process of Evolution and involution is the dance of the oneness. So eloquent. And we also dived into this in our last review of the Universal One by Walter Russell as well. That that oceanicness, it dances with its creations of waves. 
It takes shape and dissolves every nuance of experience. Mind attempts to describe the modulations of this emptiness manifesting itself as the fullness of experience, and this fullness recognizing itself as emptiness, knowing all the time that in doing so, it is holding a candle to the wind. So every single time that we attempt to have the ocean describe the waves, and every time that the waves describe the ocean, that is ultimately what the ebb and flow of this is. And it does feel like it's holding a candle to the wind as we aim to describe this. But the metaphors themselves are very powerful and they can explain like I'm five succinctly describe what the nature of our reality is. And in that sense, it's revealed. Mind is being used to create evocations rather than descriptions of the experience of consciousness knowing itself. These evocations are temporary expressions, like flowers blossoming for a moment, shedding the perfume of their origin on the garden of unknowing. There is simply the clear seeing of the true nature of this current experience. We allow the naked clarity of experience itself to relieve itself of the burden of duality. Separation is not simply understood to be an illusion. It is felt as such. They die of the fierce clarity of being clearly seen. Its nature is always only pure consciousness. Rupert's got great analogies that are coming up. The sugar cube one for the ego dissolving is so good. Oh, man. All right. It is precisely the idea that the body and the world exist as objects in time and space, independent and separate from consciousness, that is intellectual and abstract. It is not based on experience. The Experience of the appearance of the body in the world takes place simultaneously with the experience of consciousness knowing itself. It is the same experience, one experience. Everything that is known is known through consciousness. It's this isness, this being or existence. The very I amness. It is the exposure of our false certainties. And they amount to a religion of materialism. It's so important to expose these false certainties. And that's what Rupert is doing throughout this book is exposing those. Pointing to the perennial philosophy from many different sides of the mountain. We never experience anything outside experience. All experience takes place here and now, so the nature of reality, whatever that is, must be present in the intimacy and immediacy of this current experience. Consciousness of something, and there is the existence of that something. 
consciousness has veiled itself from itself. And we unpack that also in the, the seven densities of consciousness, the law of one video, where we talked about how cool it is that we have the capacity to create this veil of forgetting and then pierce it and then self-realize. It's the most fascinating aspect to our nature. Mind collapses from within. And this is the sugar cube. It's so good. All right. There is only one single seamless totality that consciousness and existence are one, that there is only one reality. Consciousness veils itself from itself by pretending to limit itself to a separate entity and then forgets that it is pretending. Beautiful. (laughs) It is simply to see what clearly is. Our beliefs are the root cause of psychological suffering and they are dismantled by a process of contemplative investigation. Assumptions. We can deconstruct these assumptions. This understanding is beyond the mind. Consciousness experiences itself directly and knowingly. Understanding is not created by a process in the mind any more than blue sky is created by clearing in the clouds. However, it may be revealed by the mind. Again, not created, but revealed very similarly to the clouds clearing and then the blue sky being revealed that i amness the timeless moment in which consciousness is revealed to itself and that is the diamond necklace that is already around your neck like rumi said being finally recognized which is called god or self-realization or the jnana yoga and vipassana is seeing reality as it is a very important style of Theravada Buddhism where you go through the process of training that capacity again the blue sky isn't created by clearing clouds it's always there your I amness your isness that eternal infinite bliss and peace of awareness that is being colored by experience is always there that sky is always there we're just mistaking the clouds and the modulations And we're encountering deep psychological suffering as an egoic entity of being separate. And we, we have another analogy that's coming from Rupert. We slowly release our clenched fist. Sense perception occurs or appears in consciousness. The substance of perceiving and sensing is none other than the consciousness in which it appears. The mind, the body, and the world are located inside consciousness and are made only out of consciousness. That is our experience. And again, for those that are wondering, you know, the reason why we're doing these unpackings of 
some of our most influential influences, we're doing it this way where we undergo the exegesis, the drawing out of the most salient things ourselves, and then we bring them onto camera and show them to you this way is because that way you get a direct influence of the actual writer, the author themselves. You know, you get Rupert's writings directly. It's not just our exegesis that you see, but you literally see the fact that they wrote this themselves and that you can then pause the video throughout and take notes yourself. So keep drawing out what is most salient as we're going. And then also you can find the links in the bio below to Rupert's, his website where he has videos of his non-dual teachings and much else, but also his book link is below and you can actually get the transparency of things yourself and then have undergo this similar process of exegesis. So drawing out what is most salient. So as you need, pause the video, take notes, revisit the content, draw out what is most salient for you. It is impossible to experience a limit to consciousness because such a limit would by definition have some objective quality. We have no actual experience of a limit to consciousness. Why do we think that we consciousness are a personal entity inside the body? There is no experiential evidence to validate the belief that consciousness in which the mind, the body, and the world appear is limited or personal. We have no experience of a limited or personal consciousness. Again, this is the I amness of the sky that is being obscured by the clouds. We're contracted into a separate egoic entity. And we're like a clenched fist piercing the veil to self or God realization. Everywhere is in consciousness. Whatever is known is known by and through consciousness. It knows all that it is known. Whatever appears emerges out of is sustained by and is dissolved into consciousness. Beyond consciousness, I amness is formless absolute, which is not an experience. And that's a something that we've covered in our direct path teachings, which is a more advanced state of self-realization, which is the attributeless, agentless, formless absolute, which is beyond that experiencer and experiencing of the I amness of the consciousness sky. The experience of consciousness recognizing itself, remembering itself. There is no evidence in our experience to suggest that we have different consciousnesses or indeed that there is more than one consciousness. I love it. There is only one consciousness. Everything falls into place have only ever been experiencing our own unlimited self. Again, even from a scientific angle, 
we have to take this from the perspective of things like the Sir Roger Penrose and the cutting edge of physics, winning the Nobel Prize in physics in 2020, believing in a cyclic cosmology. And so you have to understand that all coming from the same source, you know, that's why that's why Lao Tzu was so influential in saying that wisdom is knowing your source. If you know your source, you recognize the oneness of being, meaning that this consciousness, this awareness itself is shared. Again, that's why the graphic in chapter nine of high level perception on consciousness is all about seeing the planet like a big brain with nerve endings and that every single one of us if you look at the pupil that pupil that blackness is god that is being shared and then that little iris around the pupil is the unique experience or expression that we have of that infinity that is being colored by experience We unpack this more in our other videos to check out on our channel, like the God's Brain video is a good one to check out on this topic. And this is the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. You know, 2,000 years ago, we have all these beautiful perennial wisdoms that are being highlighted by us, but that have been lost in modernity so that it's super important for us to bring them back. Here, Yogas Chitta Vritti Nirodha means yoga equals stop modulating awareness yoga means union in sanskrit union equals consciousness waves quieting this is identical to deep sleep again when your thought stops when your consciousness waves quiet what is left is a non-modulated a non-colored awareness and you recognize that that awareness is eternal that its nature is bliss and peace and that it's being colored by experience by thought by emotion by feeling by belief by objects and we'll have many other explorations of that deep sleep throughout as well rupert does a great job bringing that in all perception takes place in consciousness We are abiding as we are of that I consciousness, just am. Attention is drawn to the presence of the knower. Suddenly seems to become more present. It shines. The knower. Again, this is a theme that we talk about so much on the show you are it however it remains for you to recognize it and this means embodied non-duality you can't just be an egoic separate self and say that oh okay i get it i'm already it it doesn't work that way you have to actually pierce the veil and self-realize consciousness is naturally returning to itself becoming aware of itself it just seems to forget itself from time to time it seems to ignore itself that's the beauty of these creation designs 
I love it. When consciousness looks for itself, it merges with itself. It is revealed to itself. And this revelation is the dissolution of the question. It is this knowingness beyond the mind that is the true answer to all questions about the nature of experience. Love it. The I cannot see itself. The process of discovering that always already knows itself. So as the mind tries to turn itself towards consciousness, it dissolves. It's fascinating. <laughs> I love this sugar cube analogy. This is gonna be so good. Oh man. Okay. It is pure knowingness. The seeking thought reveals consciousness. When you investigate the nature of reality, you land on consciousness and not a symbol. All right, here we go. God, I love this analogy. Okay, this is the seeking sugar cube analogy. All right. The seeking thought is like a sugar cube. Looking for consciousness is like putting the sugar cube in a cup of tea. The tea dissolves the sugar cube. Likewise, consciousness dissolves the seeking thought. So beautiful. So in essence, the sugar cube analogy is so profound because it's basically saying that the egoic separate self, as it goes the process of seeking the diamond necklace that's already around its neck, that it as it pierces the veil and as self-realization god realization happens what occurs is that it's just like a sugar cube dissolving in the cup of tea the mind the egoic self the separate entity dissolves it's beautiful and you're just left with that infinite consciousness that is eternally being colored by experience it's so gorgeous it's such a beautiful analogy rupert you know, that's another part of Rupert, you know, in our interview with Rupert, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend checking out our interview featuring Rupert, that his metaphors are so strong. And the metaphors are very explained like I'm five and they dive you right into the nature of experience. Very simply, the best teachers do that. Consciousness knowing itself, returning to itself knowingly. Okay, again, throughout this, we're just going to be pointing to the same perennial spiritual wisdom from many different ways up that mountain, from many faces. So again, we're going to point to this again here. Meditation is the cessation, the stopping of the monkey mind, clouds, to remember I am the sky. Again, yogas chitta vritti nirodha. Again, relax your contracted fist. This is the contracted fist of the egoic separate self. Relax into your pure, bare, empty awareness pre-coloration and recognize that that is the I amness of the sky. And that from that point of self-realization, then every single cloud of experience that you encounter you will shine through 
that bliss and peace that is inherent in consciousness knowing itself. Meditation is not an activity. It is the cessation of an activity. Stop the thinking mind and recognize. Stop the monkey mind and recognize the sky. I want, I don't want, are contractions. We throw a veil over itself. The separate entity is something we, as consciousness, do. It is not something we are. Again, we're playing a big game with the veil and the separate entity. It's not something we are. It's something we do. It's a game we play. And then we pierce that. Think of all 8 billion people piercing the veil in their own different ways right now. And that is what is meant by the Sufi metaphysic, Wadat al-Wujud, the unity of all finding. And you can watch our video on that topic too. It's fascinating. It was one of my profound Satori, sudden enlightenment, that happened along my journey to non-duality. Embedded within every experience is the taste of its own eternity. As a man is, so he sees, as William Blake said. As consciousness sees itself, so the world appears. Exactly. Once the doors of perception are cleansed, we will see ourselves as infinite. And that's William Blake and Aldous Huxley. Consciousness, memory of itself is always deeper than its forgetting. The desire to return to itself, to abide in itself, can never be extinguished. I am no longer this open, free, unlimited consciousness. Rather, I am this limited fragment that I have just created within myself. I am a body. So in many ways, it goes like a childlike infinity subscribes to all of the matrix nonsense that turns it into a corporate adult that has an egoic separate self and that is then undergoes a process of piercing the veil and self-realizing its childlike infinity again and we put many of these highlights like this one meditation equals the liberation from separation we put these core highlights also in the bio as well for you to check out so you can directly go there for key insights and notes and then repurpose those for your own enrichment and piercing of the veil to self-realization meditation is simply the liberation from the burden of separation and this is a good highlight actually of what I'm talking about so rather than just seeing the review of me saying this now you actually get to see rupert having written the exact same words and so this is what i'm trying to share with you as we do these styles of reviews of the exegesis the drawing out of salience from 
our main influences works is that you get to see this and this is a main important piece for you to to see why we're doing this so you can see this and so that you yourself can then draw out many of these core insights as well and also get excited about you know getting more of rupert's content across his youtube channel that's blowing up and also his different books and going and actually buying them yourself and going through this process of atma vitra self-inquiry self-realization inquiry into the nature of your own experience very simply experientially consciousness becomes more and more accustomed to remaining in itself as itself that's what's meant by abiding the impulse to contract into the separate entity is progressively undermined consciousness stays at home and this is what i'm sharing across all these direct path videos with you guys as well throughout my journey especially in even just the last couple of weeks of becoming more and more of that light instead of just flickering is now staying on and that means that my alan sakian is completely dissolved atlas is basically completely dissolved all that's left is just non-dual awareness of bliss and peace eternally being colored and that is what is meant by enlightenment and everyone deserves to pierce that veil and self-realize and experience bliss and peace 24 7 rather than for five minutes a day consciousness shines in every experience meditation is what we are and the person is something that we do from time to time i love it rupert all right consciousness is impersonal and unlimited so consciousness is one and infinite In the analogy of the ocean, the waves are a metaphor for the appearances that arise upon or within the ocean of consciousness. So the form is the wave. And the content is the water. Again, this is probably one of the most important perennial analogies. The oceanic of infinite consciousness and the different creative forms and expressions as waves that are composed of water of consciousness so consciousness modulates manifestations and that's what we see here with this creativity of a reality that we're in This is such a good way to say it. The ego is consciousness pretending to be a separate entity. It's a perfect way to put it, Rupert. Hopefully this is very enriching for you all as well in your journeys. Suffering is already a rejection of the current situation, a lack of acceptance of the current situation as it is. And this is why people like Bentinho Massaro, who have been another massive influence on me, have focused on the phrase 
accept yourself, love yourself, and become the creator. And that's a really simple way to put it. Accept the current situation as it is. There is no lack. Everything is perfect. There is no disharmony. It's all perfect. Who are you, you know, as David Hawkins says, who are you to be angry at reality, to be angry at the entirety of the evolutionary experience, that you're having an experience that is not according to the creative expression that it is? So that's a core insight is to have no lack have perfection for the current situation as it is. Accept yourself, love yourself, become the creator. Don't create that suffering with be, with rejecting the current situation. Simply accept the current situation itself. Suffering would cease right there. You're already diamond, yet it remains for you to recognize it. And another one of our favorite analogies, the screen analogy. So the screen is the support and the substance of the players. It's absurd to think that the screen and the players are separate or different from one another. The players depend on the screen, but the screen does not depend on the players. Consciousness is not just their support, but also their substance. It's apparent independence and separation from consciousness that is illusory. The analogy of the screen, they're all around you. And just use your device to just lock the screen and just see it for it without any modulation without any coloration that is the pure bare empty awareness that we're talking about that is eternal infinite and its nature is bliss and peace and it's being colored the screen's being colored by all of the different modulations and expressions the waves of that oceanicness Appearance is simply a modulation of this knowingness. This is what consciousness is. It is pure experiencing. Again, it sometimes just takes time with that screen that's locked. Just sit there and just look at the screen in a contemplative way before it's colored and then see your consciousness and awareness similarly before it's colored by experience. That juxtaposition is really important to understand this. Although as we say in our direct path videos that that juxtaposition is ultimately transcended because it's all one, but we create the dual separation for people to be able to see what we're talking about. Experiencingness and knowingness are synonyms for consciousness. So we do not do anything to the feelings. In fact, we stop doing something to them. We stop investing them with the power to veil reality. 
Desires continue to arise, but their purpose is no longer the avoidance of feeling nor the attainment of happiness. Their purpose is to express happiness. Their purpose, in fact, their nature is to manifest, share, and celebrate happiness. And we'll have some further explanations of that that are really insightful. So we abide as this witnessing consciousness knowingly. And that's why people like Osho are also so adamant about that witnessing consciousness. Another great teacher to go check out. Our true body is consciousness. What is our actual experience of the boundary between what is inside ourself and what is outside ourself? There is no experience of such a boundary. And that's why perforation and porosity are massive keys, which we talk about in chapter nine in high level perception on consciousness, where we showcase the difference between somebody that is perforated and porous, where they are understanding and accepting at a deep level of the porosity of themselves with the O2 and CO2 exchange that's constantly happening. <sighs> 20,000 times a day with their breath and the photosynthesis of phytoplankton and trees on the planet or with them drinking water that's part of the same hydrological cycle that was here 66 million years ago when dinosaurs were here and similarly with their gut microbiome and the symbiosis there there's no way to create a boundary of separation between you and the outside world and so that's very important because the egoic self that's contracted itself is with like a box around their head thinking they're just a separate entity again perforation and porosity are key why do we think that the sensation we call our hand is closer to us than the sound in the distance is that our actual experience each appearance each appears at the same zero distance from consciousness. Great way to put it. Consciousness is not simply the witness, but also the substance of every object that appears within it. Every object is made out of consciousness. It is an expression of consciousness. Objects as appearing to consciousness, in consciousness, as consciousness. Consciousness reabsorbs the body, the mind, and the world into itself. It realizes itself as everything. This condition could be called love. Realizes itself to be the very substance of everything. Consciousness knows itself as everything. Everything is included within itself and is an expression of itself. There is only consciousness. There is only being which simultaneously creates, witnesses, expresses, and experiences itself in every experience we have. Mwah. Love that. All right. And this is what we said in our first direct path video. Simply the fact that there is something, that there is being, that there is consciousness is the most extraordinary thing. If you're not in absolute awe on a moment-to-moment -moment basis that you exist 
and that consciousness and awareness are experiencing a reality, if that in itself does not bring you tremendous awe, investigate why it does not. And that is the process of self-inquiry and self-realization. And inevitably, that egoic sense of separate self will dissolve as the sugar cube in the cup of tea. Walking on water or teleporting through space is no more remarkable than a speck of dust or the fly that has just landed on this table. And that's why similarly, people like Terrence McKenna, when they were told about not having that much time left to live, that everything became filled with awe. Even a blade of grass or a little bug that was walking along the ground became beautiful. And so to have that childlike awe is the nature of our being. It's a yoga of wonder, astonishment, and delight. We simply stand open, empty, silent, unknowing, and wondering. We dance with the question for a while and then merge with it, returning to its source, silence. The real response is silence itself. And that's why people like Sri Ramana Maharshi were silent a lot when asked question and that led to a lot of incredible self-realizations for people knowing and being are identical when referring to consciousness and this is something that i'm undergoing right now too is simultaneously balancing my my interviewer and content creator angle with an angle of silence and being the pure bare empty awareness of the sky and then practicing that formless agentless attributeless absolute and that requires a lot of silence and we have to become more and more comfortable with silence in order to self-realize consciousness and existence are one and the same that is our moment by moment experience the mind and the senses are like a prism through which the oneness of the consciousness existence appears to be refracted into 10,000 things It is the separation between the existence of the world and the presence of consciousness that is illusory. It is the creativity of consciousness through the faculties of mind and senses which refracts oneness into a dance of apparent multiplicity. Remove time and space from experience. Remove name and form. And we are left with the oneness of consciousness existence. Timeless, spaceless presence. Being. The mind and senses are double agents. They work for both ignorance and understanding. This realization is the moment the prodigal son returns, turns around and proceeds back towards the father on exactly the same path that he originally took on his flight away from him. 
and this is a really important biblical story, and it has a lot to do with this direct path of the egoic separate entity, like the prodigal son, turning back around and piercing the veil and understanding that consciousness is it. This is also the moment at which the traditional spiritual path of renunciation becomes the tantric path of embrace and inclusion. So again, we're not trying to just say that that is Maya, illusion, renounce it. Rather, we have a tantric path of weaving. So we weave our self-realizations with the social fabric. It is the moment at which the full spectrum of experience is welcomed, explored, and celebrated for what it truly is. It is the transition from I am nothing to I am everything, from the path of discrimination to the path of love. It is the moment when the emptiness of consciousness recognizes itself as the fullness of experience. The mind, the body, and the world are understood to be expressions of consciousness rather than distractions from it. There is one condition, one ever-present condition, which we call I, consciousness, presence, in which all apparent states come and go, the ocean of all the waves. Deep sleep is in fact simply the presence of consciousness shining by itself. That is why it is so peaceful and enjoyable. There is no time in deep sleep. Lots of people come on our program and talk about how much they enjoy deep sleep. So we're going to unpack that throughout a lot more. Consciousness takes the shape of every appearance, although it itself is shapeless, just as water takes the shape of a wave, although it is itself shapeless. Deep sleep is peace. Deep sleep is the presence of consciousness without objectivity. Peace is inherent in consciousness. That peace and consciousness are one. So that same peace that you experience in deep sleep when consciousness is not experiencing the modulations and colorations of objects, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and beliefs is very similar to what we talk about as inherent in the sky or the ocean of consciousness, even in the waking state. So in many ways, the waking state to practice being the sky or the ocean in the waking state is kind of what meditation does, which is basically what is felt during deep sleep. Don't be lost in the waves and the clouds. Recognize yourself as the sky and the ocean. That's the first step, self-realization. And then you can self-actualize beautifully with a more true experience where you shine through all of the coloration and modulation of the sky and the sorry, of the clouds and of the waves. Everything is ultimately 
an expression of consciousness. So ultimately, is everything an expression of peace? Every experience is the shape of silence. Silence is pure in and of itself. A very important teaching by Sri Aurobindo and the Mother Miral Fossa to us as well. So repeatedly shatter the illusion of separation. The first thing upon awakening in the morning, practice. I am infinite consciousness. I've been doing that a lot in the morning, at night, throughout the day, just basically re-baselining to the light permanently staying on rather than flickering. So basically spending 0% of the day in ego, separate self, and that's how it dissolves. As we wake in the morning, the peace of deep sleep still pervades our experience before the appearance of separation has become fully established. Consciousness immediately loses itself in identification with a fragment. It condenses itself into a body-mind and the world is correspondingly projected outside. The illusion of separation reappears. One pretends to be two. The contracted me becomes a seeker. Consciousness pretending to be a separate entity. Meditation is sometimes described as sleeping while we are awake. We take the same attitude towards objects that we take in our sleep. No attitude at all. We simply abide as we are. Self-realization gives you inner bliss, peace, eternity. So all downstream wu-wei or effortless action is for the highest. And that comes from Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching. Highly recommend reading that as well if you haven't. So basically self-realization gives you the inner bliss, peace, eternity. So everything that happens downstream in that self-actualization is like effortless action wu-wei for the absolute highest. That's why that's the first thing is self-realization, God-realization. Happiness is the experience of consciousness knowing itself knowingly. It is happiness itself that seeks itself. Oh, this is great. I knew we'd get here. This is the part we were talking about earlier. Desire is liberated from the requirement to produce happiness. Desire as such is experienced as energy, as life. It is already its own fulfillment. So, aka, today's desire, ego, is enslaved to produce happiness. Self-realization pierces the veil, revealing our inherent nature as bliss peace, liberating desire from the requirement to produce happiness, enabling its own fulfillment experienced as energy, as life. Gosh, love that. We are in modernity so obsessed. Once I accomplish this, it's seeking the trophy. Once I accomplish this, then I'll be happy. So happiness is tied to this desire of the trophy, of the rewards. When in reality, the 24-7 bliss, peace nature of consciousness is happiness. And it's on a journey. And every moment in the journey is the destination. 
the waves of the oceanic infinity is the creative expression. It is the destination. I love that quote by Dan Eldon. The journey is the destination. The separate entity has no freedom, but as there is no separate entity, why mention it? We as consciousness have absolute freedom. We are absolute freedom. If all the minds, bodies, and worlds that exist are interconnected in one seamless system, how could consciousness, which is considered in scientific materialism to be a byproduct of the system itself, be individual and separate? Everything arises spontaneously out of consciousness, and that consciousness is therefore its sole and ultimate cause. All right, we'll read this and then I'll read the top part here. When an object appears, it appears as a modulation of consciousness. Consciousness is simultaneously the substance and the witness of whatever appears. So again, there is only consciousness taking the shape of our experience from moment to moment. And that's why up here we wrote modulation of love light consciousness. It's a rhythmic balanced interchange, which is very aligned with Walter Russell and the universal one. So a rhythmic balanced interchange is the modulation. It is the waves. It is the creative expression of the oceanic infinitude of love light consciousness. Consciousness is one with the totality of every experience, not just with a fragment, the body-mind. It comes to know itself as the witness of all objects before re-engaging with the totality of its experience and recognizing itself as everything. This part's really interesting. So, the idea of I am everything is very much like Advaita Vedanta, where the Atman and the Brahman are the same. That's kind of the non-dual infinite consciousness. And then the idea of the more Buddhist idea of no self is more like the absolute, the formless, the agentless, the attributeless. And that's the I am nothing, which is so fascinating. Check out our direct path videos for more about that. So I am not only the body. Deep sleep is simply another name for this timeless, spaceless presence. Happiness and the separate entity are mutually exclusive positions. <laughs> I love that one, Rupert. Uh, that one was that one was so good that I had to post it right away onto our Instagram. It was so good. 
Happiness and the separate entity are mutually exclusive positions. Consciousness begins to tire, exhausted. Consciousness pretending to be a separate entity. Spiritual search. Recognition that consciousness is happiness, fulfillment, or peace itself, always and already prior to and within every experience. Natural relaxation of the identification. Consciousness becomes increasingly comfortable abiding in and as itself. The ease of being begins to pervade experience. Relax the clenched fist. Sink into the oceanicness. Use the breath. The experience of love is precisely this relaxation of consciousness as exclusive identification with a separate body-mind. And as a result, the inevitable inclusion of the other, of all others, within itself. Very much like King pretending to be an ordinary person. The King reclaims his royal identity that he realizes that although he thought, felt, and behaved as though he were bound, in fact he was always free. He realizes that his status as an ordinary person was self-imposed and imaginary. Realize yourself as the King, as the Queen. The Sun's nature is to illumine. Likewise, consciousness is self-luminous. Mind is form. The prodigal son leaves the palace. He turns away from the father towards the world of objects. Consciousness throws a veil over itself. And the search for itself begins. Every now and then the search is brought to an end in a moment of understanding love or beauty. Consciousness is reminded of itself. Consciousness reminds itself of itself. It tastes itself. Those are those light flickerings that occur. It's tasting the true nature of reality. Pierce the veil. Permanently keep that light on enlightenment we experience only one thing consciousness and reality are one suffering is another name for this misinterpretation it is a seamless experience it is one experience as soon as it's fragmented into an entity that is separate and egoic that's where the root of psychological suffering is that's the game we play is this new sensation that is generated by our hand touching the table two sensations no it is one again put your hand on something is that new sensation generated by your hand touching that something two no it's one It is not possible to draw a clear line between the body and the world. This is clearly seen if we ask ourselves whether sensation A, the hand slash table, is on the inside, the me side, or the outside, the other side. 
of the boundary. So when you put your hand on that something, is that sensation of the hand touching the book happening inside you or outside you? You just can't draw the boundary. It's very simple explorations into non-duality. We are thus left with one thing, the seamless totality of experience before it is conceptualized into 10,000 things. Again, that one experience of witnessing consciousness rather than 10,000 things. This witnessing consciousness throughout the totality of experience. Every objective experience is a seamless whole, consciousness, object. This is the return of the prodigal son. The moment of looking back towards the father is the moment of recognizing that consciousness is present. Consciousness loses itself in the world of objects. The moment it turns its attention away from objects and towards itself, it recognizes itself. As it turns its attention more and more towards itself, it becomes absorbed in itself. The father knows that the son never leaves the kingdom, but the son, that is, consciousness believing itself to be an object, has forgotten this, and so he has to return. In reality, the son is reclaimed. And this is what is illustrated by our, again, the graphic in the chapter 9 on consciousness is with the iceberg, is that you can't be at those surface level waves of the iceberg where you're you're only focused on objects. Once you turn inquiry inward into that self-inquiry, that Atma Vichara, the self-realization, God-realization opens up, you pierce the veil. But again, if you're only focused, that's the depth of the iceberg, but if you're only focused at the surface level, you're going to continuously occur the psychological suffering of the egoic separate entity. We end with the understanding that consciousness is the ever-present reality of all things and that everything appears within it and as an expression of it. Consciousness witnesses and expresses itself simultaneously in every experience and that that is what we are, always changing, always the same. Love it. You know, that's the paradoxes. They're beautiful. And it's not even a paradox. This is transcended by true knowingness, which is you are the ocean, the infinite. You are also the waves, the creative expressions, modulations. Our experience is always only consciousness. Consciousness ceases to veil itself from itself with erroneous ideas. It ceases to veil itself with its own creativity. That's a funny, playful way to look at it, is that we're veiling ourselves with our own playful creativity as these egoic separate entities that then pierce the veil and self-realize. 
When consciousness relieves itself of the belief and feeling that it is the body-mind, it simultaneously relieves itself of the belief and the feeling that it is not the world. Love is the natural condition of consciousness when it is knowingly one with all things. It includes all things within itself and is itself the substance of all things. We experience a beginning and an end to all objects, but we never experience a beginning or an end to consciousness, to ourself. Sentience disappears on death, but not that consciousness disappears. Nobody falls asleep and nobody wakes up. Deep sleep is timeless presence. Only now is experienced. All experience is now and now is ever present. Eternity. Now is experienced simply as it is. Timeless presence. The now is the substance and container of all experience. Again, the now is the substance and container of all experience. That's why Eckhart Tolle, the power of now, the substance and container of all experience. Enjoy that bliss, peace, harmony, perfection, no lack in the now. Baseline yourself to that. That's our true nature. Every time consciousness ceases to take the shape of the mind, the body, and the world, it knows itself again as presence or being. Presence prior to time and space that remains. Attention be given to these gaps between perceptions. That's a teaching of non-duality that is sometimes suggested to help people understand that presence. Attention is consciousness with an object. When the object vanishes, attention simply remains what it always is, consciousness. It witnesses and manifests itself simultaneously as that object. It recognizes itself. Being is both behind and within appearances. The being that shines in all experience is known in ourself as the experience I am. In the world, it is known as it is. We share the presence that we are with all things. Consciousness is the primary and most intimate fact of experience. Meditation is simply to abide knowingly as this presence of consciousness. We just remain there knowingly. We abide there. In time, the first layer of resistance, the I don't like, dies down. Peace and happiness are inherent qualities of this presence. (laughs) 
little bit of rearranging. He. Okay. <clears throat> Draw attention to the presence and primary of primacy of consciousness. Not only is consciousness present in every experience, but that it is our primary experience. Thought obviously occurs within consciousness. Our experience is one seamless totality. Consciousness and the thought, sensation, or perception are one experience. It is consciousness that contains the mind, the body, and the world on equal footing. The mind, the body, and the world appear in consciousness. The old belief that the world contains the body, which contains the mind, which contains consciousness, triggers a series of thoughts, feelings, and activities all based on that belief. Objects do not just appear in consciousness, they appear as consciousness. Consciousness does not just witness every experience, it expresses itself as every experience. Everything that is experienced is experienced by, through, in, and as consciousness. Consciousness witnesses, experiences, and expresses itself from moment to moment, and when there are no objects present, it simply remains as it always is. That is all there is. Presence. This. Our art must give us a taste of her eternity. Time and space themselves turn out to be nothing other than the very thought with which they are conceived. Nature and man are part of one integrated system and must therefore share their existence. Their being must be shared. And this is, actually, I'll, re I'll read the top in a moment after this. Existence or beingness, which is always present and yet does not appear, eternity. It is only reality that is ever actually experienced. And this is what I talked about with Rupert for a little bit in our interview was his teacher, Francis Lucille, whose uh, teacher was Jean Klein and then um Atmananda Krishna Menon um was that's the lineage and that there's a beautiful quote from Francis Lucille which is that the nature of reality is an eternal 4th of July fireworks celebration such a perfect way to put it the nature of reality is an eternal 4th of July fireworks celebration. So the more that you have self-realized the oceanic infinitude, 
and then realized that it's expressed as the waves of creative expression. The more that you see those as fireworks that are eternal. In the ultimate analysis, there is no difference between the two states of dreaming and waking. Reality is the substance of every experience. It is the existence, the beingness, the isness, the suchness, the knowingness, the experiencingness in every experience. Boom. This formless reality is concealed or revealed by appearances, depending on how we see. Yep. What is it in our experience that is undeniably and continuously present and yet has no external qualities? Consciousness is undeniably experienced during any appearance and yet it has no objective qualities. Consciousness and reality or existence are both present in every experience. They are one, consciousness, existence. Consciousness and existence are one. I and my father are one. I and my father are one is an expression of the fundamental unity of consciousness and reality of the self with all things. John 1030, I and my father are one. Again, similarly here, as we've been mentioning, it's like creative modulations on an infinite mirror or creative waves on an infinite ocean. Consciousness takes the shape of the perception but remains itself, just as a mirror takes on the appearance of an object and yet always remains exactly as it is. So consciousness and reality are ever-present, always now. They are eternal. The purpose of art as giving us a taste of this eternity. I love that. William Blake. Every bird that cuts the airy way is an immense world of delight enclosed by the five senses. And... Cezanne, the reality of nature, which he calls her eternity, is experienced as a thrill. And they both suggest that inherent in the oneness of consciousness and reality is the experience of delight, that the experience is thrilling. So again, the nature is the eternal fireworks. It's the eternal thrill, the eternal delight. Sat Chit Ananda, existence, consciousness, bliss. Consciousness and reality are one. That there is no separation between I and other, between me and you, between me and the world, between shit and sat. The experience of this realization is known in India as ananda, which has traditionally been translated as bliss. Ananda is perhaps better translated as peace or happiness or simply fulfillment. The absence of agitation or the ease of being. 
whereas the egoic separate entity is disease, not ease of being. Imagine the modern healthcare industrial complex taking on that definition of dis-ease. So self-realization is the number one thing that the medical industrial complex should be prioritizing. But how many of our physicians are trained on that in school? Let's prioritize that. Next generation architectures. Let's do it. Consciousness and reality are realized to be one. Their inherent unity is revealed. Peace or happiness is another name for that experience. It is very natural. The sacred works of art shine with the presence of this understanding and therefore have the power to convey or communicate it directly. They evoke it. Classical Greece, this experience was described as beauty. The experience of recognizing that consciousness and reality are one. Consciousness is recognizing itself. Consciousness is remembering its own reality, its own being. It looks in the mirror of experience and sees itself. It experiences its own reality. Such works of art give us the taste of eternity. And this is, again, very similar to Robert Piercig's work on the metaphysics of quality, MOQ. If you haven't read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, it's fantastic. And again, it's very much like an eternal art show. All of the oceanic waves are an eternal art show of modulations and creativity. Embody that. The non-duality of the oceanicness expressing itself creatively and eternally as modulations of waves. That is your key to 24-7 bliss, peace, enlightenment, self-realization, God-realization. Consciousness is that knowingness. This knowing is the illuminating quality in all experience. The knowingness of consciousness is that which illumines all experience. Consciousness is self-luminous. Consciousness is one with itself and with all things. I am that I am. Exodus 3.14 When an object appears, it is consciousness that takes the shape of that object. Consciousness knows an object by being that object. An object derives its being from consciousness, from amness. Being is present in every experience. Consciousness is that being. In the knowledge that I am, consciousness and being are one. When this is known, the mind, the body, and the world become transparent and luminous. They shine with presence as presence. The I am becomes I am that in the presence of appearances. Consciousness gives its amness to all things. The amness of self is the isness of things. Consciousness is one with all appearances. Consciousness knows itself as all appearances. There is oneness.
Oneness seems to separate itself into amnes and isness. Amnes becomes I and isness becomes other. Consciousness and being seem to separate. I am everything becomes the belief and the feeling I am some things and not others. Now becomes I am that particular thing. I am something. It believes and feels I am the body. A process of selection by I like and I don't like, I want and I don't want, cravings and aversions. A web of desire and fear is woven. Likes and dislikes fragments the seamless totality of experience. The belief and feeling I am the body becomes dense, solid, sticky, and layered. The return from I am something to I am everything is simply the loosening of this dense fabric of self. The open space of consciousness begins to know itself again as a welcoming space in which everything is allowed to pass as it will, when it will, where it will. The net of desires and fears is unstitched. No longer has any power to separate anything from anything. The body returns to its original transparency, open, available, loving, and acutely sensitive, beholding onto nothing. The mind is liberated from the tyranny of a separate self and becomes clear, lively, and kind. The beauty and vibrancy of the world is restored. Love it. Uh It is like removing objects from a room one by one until only the space of the room remains. Mind is further reduced in understanding and is now realized to be a projection of consciousness, to be made out of consciousness. The individual person who seemed to be the experiencer of the dream was in fact experienced within the dream the appearance of the separate entity in the waking state is essentially the same as that in the dream state again we prioritize the explanation of this metaphor in our interview with rupert at the very beginning and throughout so go and check that out the god's brain having a dream of these creation design realities and that's why it's recursive in the sense that we spend a third of our lives also sleeping. When you take the first person's perspective in the dream state at night, you simulate that entire oneness of a dream as both the first person experiencer and the dream dreamt environment itself. And that is what this is. Similarly, we simulated out our environment and we're taking the first person's perspective and we're all God. This veiling activity, this imagining myself to be a limited entity is consciousness's own activity, its own creativity. It's really creative. We do a good job with this. Time and space appear within it. It does not appear within time and space.
Reality is one solid, seamless, indivisible substance made out of luminosity, transparency, knowingness, beingness. Consciousness projects the dream world within itself through the functions of thinking and imagining. Consciousness projects the waking world within itself through the functions of sensing and perceiving as well as thinking and imagining. In deep sleep, there is no projection and therefore no time or space. There is no world. There is simply presence and that presence is this presence. All experience takes place here. A distant sound takes place here. The chair on the other side of the room is perceived here. Everywhere is present here. The body is a sensation inside this here, inside presence. Everything takes place here, inside consciousness. The idea that experience takes place there or outside vanishes. That sugar cube, I love that analogy, dissolving in the hot tea of self-realization. All experience takes place now. All memories of the past take place now. All thoughts about the future take place now. This now does not last in time. All time lasts in it. This placeless, timeless presence is the transparent, homogeneous, substantial, ever-present reality of experience within which and ultimately as which the fleeting insubstantial and intermittent experiences that we call the body the mind and the world appear like waves consciousness is like a three-dimensional mirror in which everything appears everything that appears in the mirror of consciousness is at the same distance from it and that is no distance at all. Every experience is presence. The mirror of consciousness is the screen on which everything is experienced, and at the same time, it is that which experiences everything. Consciousness that is experiencing itself as that apparent object. The transparent medium of consciousness is colored by the appearance of an object. Again, transparent consciousness eternally colored. Again, ocean always creatively expressing itself as waves. Transparent consciousness eternally colored. Again, consciousness modulating equals the water in ocean taking shape of waves. Consciousness knows a thing by being that thing. That is its mode of knowing anything. Rather, consciousness takes the shape of the object, of the current experience from moment to moment, whilst always remaining exactly as it is. 
as the water in the ocean rises and swells into the shape of a wave, flows for a while, and then falls back into the ocean without ever for a moment being anything other than water, so every object, every experience arises within consciousness, takes its unique shape, does its unique thing, and then offers back its name and form to the ocean of presence, which abides in and as itself before taking the shape of the next wave. Love it, Rupert. The wave gives water a name and a form. When the wave vanishes, only name and form vanish. Water remains as it always is. Only names and forms are continually transformed. One womb, many forms. Wherever we look, we see only the face of God. God sees herself in all things. Mind used for the practical purpose of functioning at the level of the mind, body, and world. It is a way of seeing and talking that enables a certain level of functioning in the world, and as such, it has its legitimate place. It is only when we take such a statement as a description of our actual experience as a description of reality that the confusion begins. <clears throat> and this is why we talk a lot about the middle path, the middle way, the Goldilocks zone. When you experience non-dual awareness, you undergo the tantric path of weaving the self-realization into the social fabric rather than where you completely ignore this portion right here, which is where you no longer even entertain any of the functioning of the world. And that would be on going too high, whereas the going too low is this part where you stay as the egoic separate entity. Investigate consciousness to cleanse mirror. It is the edifice of ideas that seems to prevent consciousness from knowing itself knowingly, from perceiving itself, just as it is the edifice that prevents the man from seeing himself in the mirror. The man can deconstruct the edifice. So deconstruct the edifice, or another way to say it is cleanse the mirror, right? Cleanse the channel. It is the freedom that consciousness has from moment to moment to create the idea that it is a separate personal entity, to believe that idea, to forget that it has chosen to believe it, and therefore to consider it a fact, to explore the fact and rediscover that it is a belief, to stop believing it, and to realize again that it is simply an idea, and is, as such, one of many possible modes of being that consciousness chooses from moment to moment out of its own freedom. Out of our own freedom, we're playing the game of the egoic separate self. 
I am that separate entity, the sole cause of psychological suffering. Consciousness is freedom itself. It is free to forget and free to remember. We mentioned this earlier. This is why Ramana Maharshi was often silent when asked a question. The highest answer to a question about the nature of reality or the self is always reality or the self itself. And this cannot be spoken of. So he would just remain silent. If the absolute truth is spoken by one who is parroting the truth and thus does not come from true understanding, the answer will lack depth and that will be transmitted. And this is profound because about a year ago or so, I was undergoing a process of kind of like awakening, but really slowly. And I was trying to explain some of these metaphors about the sky and the clouds or about the ocean and the waves, but I couldn't do it. Even as I was explaining it, I couldn't do it because I didn't get it experientially. I hadn't embodied non-dual awareness my egoic separate self sugar cube had not dissolved in the hot tea of the oceanic infinity of consciousness and so now one year later i'm very clearly able to transmit the direct path teachings because i have experientially underwent the satori and now I am that non-dual awareness. It's so fascinating. So you can tell by the people that you listen to. And this is why we highly recommend people like Rupert Spira and like Bentinho Massaro and like Ramana Maharshi and Nisargatata Maharaj. And there's, there's many other Shunyamurti. There's many other self-realized teachers right now that are doing a great job. So your discernment is key. We are deceiving ourselves if we wash a veneer of there is only one consciousness over feelings that I am this body or am in this body. And we'll get to a graphic that explains this more in a moment. It could be said that the rational investigation at the level of beliefs and ideas is a prelude to the deeper exploration of the sense of separation at the level of the body. On the path of discrimination, we discover what we are not. On the path of love, we discover what we are. This discovery is a moment-by-moment -moment revelation. It cannot be crystallized in words. It is the true unknowing in which nothing is known, but everything is embraced. Every experience, every appearance is a wave on the ever-present ocean of presence. If we look at the waves, they change from moment to moment. If we look at the water, the water itself never changes. And this is exactly what we talk about in chapter 10 on infinity and high level perception, where you literally have Parmenides who says 2,500 years ago that the water itself never changes. Whereas Heraclitus says Pontere, everything flows, which is the waves, they change from moment to moment. And it's the synthesis of those two that gives you the full realization.
The flow of a river always changes shape, but the substance of a river never disappears. And again, we have the screen analogy. Experience is like an image on a TV screen. Appearances come and go, but in fact, the appearance of the image is nothing but the screen. And the screen does not come and go. This ever-present now is colored from time to time with apparent objectivity. When we have reduced the multiplicity of things in understanding to one thing, we can further reduce that one thing into our self, capital S, the permanent background and substance of all things. This discovery does not make it so, but rather reveals that it has always been so. And this is a recent visual that we posted on our Instagram. Again, it's the wisdom of digging all the way to water. So approximately 85% of people on the planet live in a state of multiplicity, aka the egoic separate self. And then there are some people that are seeking on the spiritual path to get to this ocean. And some of them have reached a little water and that's the oneness. And that's about where I was about at the beginning of 2020 and throughout until just about three three weeks ago or so. And so about three weeks ago or so on December 18th, 2020, I pierced the veil. And so what that means is the oneness is very much like a belief about, oh, it's all one. And it's a very intellectual and philosophical belief and it makes sense, but you don't actually pierce the veil yet because the piercing of the veil to get to the self where only about 1% of people on the planet are is this oceanicness, And that only occurs when you realize what non-dual awareness truly is. When you really realize that your sugar cube of the separate entity of that ego completely dissolves in the tea of infinite consciousness. And so that is when the veil is pierced and you recognize that that infinite consciousness is eternal and that its nature is bliss and peace and that it is being colored by experience, creative modulations of the waves of the ocean. And so for me, that only happened a couple weeks ago with my profound Satori. And so this analogy here, this metaphor is really strong, but you have to dig all the way to water. A lot of people stop here when they reach a little water, when they get to the intellectualization of the oneness. And so you have to go all the way to water. Follow that seeking impulse like it's your lifeline to fully pierce the veil to self-realization, to God-realization. If we truly feel that everything and everyone is an expression of the same one reality that we ourselves are, we will act accordingly and will quite literally behave towards others as we would behave towards ourselves. Whatever the shape of that action, it will come from the feeling of the essential oneness of all things. Everything is an expression of oneness, ignorance and wisdom alike. If we think we experience objects, we are not experiencing consciousness knowingly. To experience separate objects is not to experience consciousness knowingly. To experience consciousness knowingly is to not experience objects. We cannot claim to be experiencing objects and consciousness at the same time. 
Maya still dances, but it is a dance of love, not seduction. I love that. As a result, we no longer believe the divisive, dualistic concepts of the mind. We no longer believe in good and bad as absolute realities. If we see everything as an expression of one reality, we are taking our stand at a place that is prior to the mind, prior to good and bad, right and wrong. And that's why Rumi has a quote also that goes something along the lines of I'll meet you on the other side where the transcendent of the duality of right and wrong is. True benevolent indifference of presence. We expose misunderstandings, unsubscribe from separate self egoic matrix identity layers, ending of thought reveals this understanding, then understanding shines during thought itself. So again, the misunderstanding is being exposed. Understanding is revealed by thought, not explained by it. In fact, it is the ending of thought that reveals understanding. Revealed when thought comes to an end. Later, it is realized to be present during thought itself. Reality is beyond the abstract concepts of the mind and therefore has no objective characteristics. The thought that seeks reality comes to its own limit and plunges into reality itself. It dies in that which it was seeking and its dissolution is the revelation of that ever-present reality. This non-objective experience has an impact on the body-mind and is usually described in terms of some sort of release or expansion. The clenched fist. Letting go. The experience that it is looking for is the experience of its own self, its own ever-present reality, which is lying behind and within every experience, including the experience of seeking itself. The experience that consciousness is looking for is prior to the body and the mind. It knows itself as space during the presence and the absence of the house. Permeated with the peace of presence, on waking, the body-mind reappears in presence, saturated with the peace of deep sleep. Exposing the wrong formulations of our experience, the misunderstandings, relieves consciousness of the relentless search for itself in the realm of the body, mind, and the world. As soon as consciousness releases itself in this way, it finds that it is always present, that its own presence is always here shining and always has been. Consciousness sees itself shining within itself. When it looks back at the old objects that seem to veil itself from itself, it just sees them shining in and as itself, separating nothing from nothing.
Here's a great Ramana Maharshi quote. That which is not present in deep, dreamless sleep is not real. So deep sleep is peace in myself. Peace, consciousness without an object, enables the body and mind to reappear refreshed in the morning, saturated with the peace from which it arises. The I myself am deep sleep. Deep sleep is the experience of consciousness, peace, and myself simultaneously. Meditation is like being asleep while remaining awake. Remain knowingly as this consciousness, peace, I. Every experience of the dreaming and waking worlds is only this consciousness, peace, I, taking the shape of thinking, imagining, sensing, and perceiving. It is that which takes the shape of every experience and that which is the substance, the reality of every experience. I, consciousness, is that. Silence is the background of presence, which is the support and substance of all appearances, including an absence of sound a.k.a. the silence between the notes is what makes the music. And that's the oceanicness between the waves. It is an alive, open unknowingness that is free to take any shape or any position at any moment in relation to the moment itself. The words are the packaging. Once the message... This unknowing openness is delivered or rather revealed. The packaging can be discarded. The words can be forgotten. The teaching remains free of fixed formulations, dogma, and fundamentalism. It remains fluid, playful, enjoyable, unpredictable, and ungraspable. It always leaves us in open unknowingness. This open unknowingness is what we are. And that's why the direct path is such a profound teaching compared to the dogma and fundamentalism of any of the old traditions that have kept us religiously enslaved to some sort of a deity that is exterior. The kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17.21 and Leo Tolstoy. It returns the veiled unknowingness to an open unknowingness that is silent, empty, free, luminous, transparent, and unlimited, ready at any moment to take the shape of just this. Again, it's infinite exploration. Just be now. Love the unfolding journey. Oceanicness infinitely modulating creatively as waves. Ride at the peak of the wave, at the peak of the now. Just be in that unfolding.
There is only consciousness, being. This is known as I, and also as happiness, love, peace, beauty, and understanding. What more meaning and purpose than that could there possibly be? <gasps> the end of the desire reveals the underlying ever-present happiness. The agitation called seeking veils the inherent happiness and understanding. Happiness is the particular name consciousness gives itself when it experiences itself at the end of a desire. Understanding is the particular name consciousness gives itself when it experiences itself at the end of a thought. Happiness and understanding are the experience of consciousness recognizing itself at the end of that search. Presence is never lost and never found. It is ever present. The activities of forgetting, searching, and finding are all equally modes of its own being in which it is always only experiencing itself in changing names and forms. The oceanic presence is ever present and all of the activities of the waves of forgetting, searching, and finding are equally modes of creative expression of its being and those are all just changing names and forms we've been doing it we're gonna continue doing it it's the nature of reality wake up to it the end of the desire is the end of the mind's agitation this agitation is nothing other than consciousness thinking and feeling that the happiness and peace that are inherent in itself are not present, and as a result, searching for them elsewhere. It had just veiled itself with desire, with the thought and feeling, I need something else in order to be happy. Happiness is not an experience that consciousness has. It is what consciousness is. This is why joy is said to be causeless. Actually, Rupert taught me during our interview, he says, imperturbable peace and causeless joy. Happiness, like beauty and love, is absolute, not relative. They are all inherent in consciousness. They do not change or disappear. Peace is beyond the mind, joy is uncaused, beauty has no form, love is unconditional, and understanding knows no object. There is peace, joy, beauty, love, and understanding, and all these are experiences of the transparent, luminous, empty knowingness of presence. Beautiful. All unhappy states are only this consciousness forgetting itself. <laughs> the ultimate cause of suffering is ignorance of our true nature. That is the ignoring of our true nature, the ignoring of consciousness. Where is suffering in deep sleep? It is non-existent. Deep sleep and the present moment share much in common. The past and the future have much in common with the dream state. Suffering by definition requires the presence of a separate entity for its existence. However, that separate entity is itself non-existent, imaginary.
The mind cannot represent that which has no objective qualities. So when it goes towards consciousness, it collapses. It just cannot go there. And that's the sugar cube melting in the hot tea of infinite consciousness. That analogy is so good. The value of seeking is that as long as it is taken all the way back to its source, aka drill all the way to water, dig all the way to water, it brings itself to its own limit and dissolves there. That into which it dissolves is that for which it was seeking. You are that which you seek, or as St. Francis of Assisi said, that that which is we are seeking that which is looking it's been said so many times by so many of the greats so many different ways just dig all the way to water <laughs> consciousness that dissolves the seeking thought just as water dissolves a sugar cube is in the dissolution of thinking that consciousness tastes itself. Seeking never finds what it is looking for. It is dissolved in it. The experience of consciousness recognizing itself that brings about the end of seeking. The mind does not find understanding. It dies in it. Piercing the veil equals ego and seeking dissolution. That sugar cube analogy is just so damn good. <laughs> Piercing the veil is the ego and seeking dissolving in the hot tea of infinite consciousness. It's so beautiful. Allow that understanding to express itself naturally. It will condition our life in just the same way that our previous understanding conditioned our life effortlessly. Individual means undivided. Individuality is the unique expression of the undivided whole. Love that. Flourish rather than diminish when we are relieved of the straitjacket of ignorance, when we stop ignoring ourselves. Complete openness, sensitivity, vulnerability, and availability. Consciousness is absolute freedom. We allow this freedom to express itself as it will, how it will, where it will, and when it will. The attitude of inner freedom that is the hallmark of understanding, and this attitude of inner freedom uses all possible means of expression and communication. So inner freedom does not necessarily mean being a silent monk. So not always, but sometimes it takes on a myriad of unique expressions. So you can be, have inner freedom and be extremely creative and be extremely expressive in myriad ways. We no longer escape these feelings. We have the courage to face them. We do not do anything with them or to them, and by the same token, we do not deny, avoid, or suppress them. 
These all-consuming feelings lose their bite. They are neutralized not because we have done anything to them, but simply because they have been seen for what they are. They are currents rippling through the ocean of ourself. Love and accept your cloud modulations. And this can also be love and accept your wave modulations. And then recognize yourself as the sky slash ocean. And then eternal bliss peace colored by experience. So the sky or ocean is the eternal bliss peace that is colored by the experience of loving and accepting these cloud slash wave modulations. It is the permanence of the screen that is indicated by the apparent continuity of the traveling dot. There is in fact no traveling dot. As Einstein said, the separate self is an optical delusion in consciousness. Consciousness is the most intimate thing we know. The intimacy that we seek and love in relationships is precisely this intimacy of our own self. Consciousness is to myself what existence or being is to the world. I is consciousness. Am is being. The experience of I am is the most intimate and familiar experience we know. Period. It is the experience of the oneness of consciousness and being. When this oneness divides itself into a body and a world, it veils itself from itself and causes psychological suffering. Every object appears within consciousness and its existence cannot be separated from the presence of consciousness. Consciousness is the fundamental reality of the world that consciousness and being are one. And you have this I am so consciousness or chit in being in existence, sat, sat, chit, ananda, existence, consciousness, bliss. Consciousness is naturally one with all things. It is one with the totality of experience. At times, consciousness contracts itself, shrinks itself into a body, and this self-contraction requires constant maintenance. The self-contraction gradually unwinds and consciousness returns to its natural condition. Again, the clenched fist. Relaxing. Desiring and fearing are two of the main ways that consciousness maintains its self-contraction as an apparent separate entity. However, as consciousness becomes more and more accustomed to abiding in and as itself, as it no longer pretends to be a separate entity, to go out of itself in search of itself, this natural abidance in and as itself becomes normal and ordinary. The self-contraction, which once seemed to be so normal and ordinary, that now becomes extraordinary. The real blasphemy is to think, I am a separate entity. With that thought, consciousness denies its own unlimited universal sovereignty. It surrenders its freedom. It is its freedom to do so. Out of this freedom, consciousness projects the mind, the body, and the world through the faculties of thinking, imagining, sensing, and perceiving. 
There is nothing wrong with the projection of a separate entity. It is essential for many aspects of life. It is only the exclusive identification with it that is problematic. It sees all things in and as itself. That's it, folks. So profoundly important. Also, check out the other publications by Rupert. Again, you can find all of these. The Art of Peace and Happiness, The Intimacy of All Experience, Sayings on the Essence of Non-Duality, 30 Meditations on the Essence of Non-Duality, The Light of Pure Knowing, The Ashes of Love, and Presence, Volume 1 and 2. Go and find all of those on Rupert's website. Uh, the link's in the bio below. Again, this ending. So we see all things in and as ourselves. Everything is us, the universal one, the infinite consciousness. Again, go and check out more by Rupert. Um, also, this is his website. It's also in the bio below, rupertspira.com. Go and check that out. He also is uh, a great ceramic artist. You can go see that there too. Again, the essence of, the essence of this is so simple. The transparency of things, simply put, is the direct path to your consciousness and your awareness to become really awake to the oceanic infinity and eternity of that consciousness and of that awareness that is shared. Reality and consciousness are one. The spiritual and the physical are one. Our eternal, our nature is bliss and peace. And that awareness is eternally being colored by the modulations of the oceanic waves or the clouds in the sky again the analogies and the metaphors that rupert uses are so poignant they're salient they're paramount in understanding this again the ocean the infinite consciousness and the waves are the modulations of experience similarly the sky is the infinite consciousness and the clouds are the modulations of experience again the sugar cube as soon as the contraction of the egoic separate self follows the seeking impulse, it turns on itself. And the ego, the separate self, and the mind dissolve as the sugar cube in the tea of infinite consciousness. It's that simple. The transparency of things. Contemplating the Nature of Experience by Rupert Spira. Check it out. The link's in the bio below. I hope you had a lot of value come from this exegesis. And we drew out so much of the salience here. And I hope it was very valuable for you. And I hope that go back through the video, pause it as needed, write down the key points, 
with your own exegesis of the most salient things and then practice them to get to that non-dual awareness that we're talking about of the ocean of the sky. And realize it as the eternal fireworks, the eternal artistic modulation of infinity. Recognize that and you got it. And rebaseline to that. Keep that light bulb on. And then buy the book yourself. Buy Rupert's books and go through the process of exegesis yourself. That will absolutely help you in your process. So do that too. The links are in the bio below. And go and watch his YouTube channel. Watch his YouTube channel. He has a lot of great videos on there. Unpacking non-duality. Again, one of the world's best teachers of non-duality. Like the video. If it brought you value, subscribe if you haven't yet. Share the video with other people. Let's get more of these teachings of non-duality out around the world. And let me know how you feel in the comments below. I'd love to hear from you. Where are you at in your self-realization of non-dual awareness? And I'll do my best to get in there and comment back as much as I can. And I love you. Thank you very much for tuning in. We love you. Rupert Spira, thank you so much. I love you a lot. And I'm very grateful for your entire team as well that's helping the communication of all of the perennial non-dual wisdom. So it's been an honor working with you and I look forward to continue working with you. This is awesome. It's so, so awesome. We'll be doing more um, videos like this soon. We have some more of Rupert's books coming. We have more of David Hawkins coming. And there's a lot of other epic people that we have lined up. And you can go watch the Universal One video with Walter Russell that we just did as well. Because there's a lot of synergy between the non-dual spiritual teachings that Rupert's sharing here as well as what people like Walter Russell and Nikola Tesla are sharing as well with their synthesis of metaphysics and science. So love you tons. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Peace.